Welcome into Tailgate. Austin Gill here with Mike Renner in sunny Cincinnati. This podcast brought to you by Miller Lite, baby. We got the Miller Lite sponsorship. Let's go. This is a dream come true. I'll just say that. I have been, obviously, being from Milwaukee. I didn't even, I didn't even know that this was coming today. Wore the jump around the, the Wisconsin shirt. I was a Badgers fan growing up. Packers, Brewers, the fact that Miller Park is not called Miller Park anymore is a crime against humanity. But yeah, Miller Lite is the drink of choice in the Gale slash Renner household. And we're uh, very, very enthusiastic to have the sponsor. So can we break down how it happened? So Connor Price, who's our sponsor lead here at PFF, said, hey, I want to get you guys a Miller Lite sponsorship. And he packaged a lot of your tweets where you've organically, <laughs> you've organically said Miller Lite sponsored me like a handful of times or yeah. brought up Miller Lite or tagged oh, yeah. Miller Lite or whatever it is. So he sends them like this compilation of all your tweets. It's like, hey, these guys have a podcast. It's literally called Tailgate. Why don't we, why don't we try something? So this is a trial sponsorship with Miller Lite. They've sent us a ton of products, 150 beers. And part of this too is, you know, you've been hitting me up about it's going to be eight degrees on Saturday. Yeah. And I, I, I got to work a little bit, but now that we got the favors to, to light it up, I, I might, we might have to just light it up on Saturday. I was going to say 150 is a weekend. <laughs> this no, is going to be the Gale household, it's, the four TVs. It's going to be a setup here. It's the start of something special. I think. <laughs> uh, big shout out to Miller light, obviously. Um, the other things on the catch and early buzz here, wanted to highlight that you can still get a draft guide. We don't have Miller Lite product to send you, but we do have draft guides. If you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast, send a screenshot of your review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. That's via DM on Twitter or Instagram to me. Now through the draft, you will get a free draft guide. I've had thousands of people sending me DMs. We are hammering draft guides out. We want to make sure every Mastigator has a draft guide on draft day. Other thing on the catch and early buzz, obviously. Debo Samuel. Debo Samuel of the San Francisco 49ers has officially requested a trade from the Niners. That's according to Jeff Darlington. Immediately, two things come to mind. One, this offseason, specifically around wide receivers, is insane. And you've already seen reports from agents and coaches talking about how the Christian Kirk contract kind of shifted a lot of the landscape and, <laughs> and put, you know, Devontae Adams wanting to get out, Tyreek Hill wanting to get out. You've seen so many other, you know, big name receivers get traded or get paid big money. Stephon Diggs gets a big contract, et cetera. Debo Samuel is another part of that. And landing spots galore, right? Jets are going to be interested. Obviously, they've been, you know, rumored to be involved in the Tyree Kill conversation. They want to be involved in the A.J. Brown conversation. They want Devontae Adams. Um, and I think the other teams could be involved. Chiefs, potentially. I like Buffalo a ton as a landing spot. Packers, potentially. Lions are also in there, according to Ian Rappaport. Your reactions to the Debo Samuel request of a trade, and, and what are some landing spots that immediately come to mind? Yeah, the team that comes to mind first for me when you said request to trade is the Jets because you have the pre-existing relationship there between the coaching staffs. You have the obvious need. You have the draft capital to get it done wherever that may be, whether it's you know their picks in the second round or maybe even number 10 overall. But that, that was the team that came to mind first. I think Patriots, obviously, with where they're standing – and with the need for a number one alpha type of wide receiver also come to mind as a likely landing spot. Um, I will say, though, the San Francisco has no real urgency to get this done. You know, no real urgency to honor this request. Uh, I could see it from Debo Samuel's perspective. One, it's like, yeah, you want your money now. You just had an insane season. You led them to pretty much everywhere they went last year offensively and want to be compensated as such as, you know, the primary driver of that offense. And also you don't want to risk getting hurt in that role once again before you get paid. You know, you don't want to get, you know, 100 rushing rushing attempts on top of your, 
you know, 100 receiving receptions and risk injury because he has a pretty extensive injury history as is. You know, there is a, he is at a high risk to do so. So I would like to get my money now if I were him before I'm going to be thrown to the wolves yet again. So I don't blame him, but like I said, San Francisco really he doesn't have much leverage here to, to get out, I'll say. I, I do think that he does get moved, though. I, I think he ultimately right. is traded. I think it could be maybe closer to draft day, right? Depending on, you know, think about if the Chiefs and the Packers are sitting at the back end of the first round and the receiving class does not go their way. Say Burks goes higher than people think. Say Pickens goes higher. Watson. and They're not trading up with the Packers, though. Okay, maybe they don't trade yeah. with the Packers. But the Chiefs specifically at 29 and 30, That's I, I don't hate the idea from the Chiefs' perspective, like seeing how the board falls. Mm-hmm. Like if you're on the clock at – you know, if you see a lot of the receivers that you want to take at 29 or 30 come off the board, maybe then you start making calls to San Francisco and start to make a deal on draft day. Because I don't, you know, maybe you would rather have obviously cheaper contracts and all that kind of stuff. I really do like the fit for Buffalo, though. If Buffalo went and got Debo Samuel with that 25th overall pick and then say an additional second, additional third, wherever it may be, that, in my opinion, makes a ton of sense. You know, we already have. You know, we've seen the mock drafts where Buffalo's taking a running back. I would much rather see them go and get Debo Samuel with that 25th overall selection than go really any other direction. I think that's one of the better decisions they can make. Um, it's all about making, obviously, the contract work and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, um, that, that's the problem with the Chiefs, with the Packers, with the Bills, is he want like, the reason he wants out also is because he wants an insane deal. Yeah. And, like, the teams that can give him an insane deal are not the contenders that would really benefit from him, more likely than not. Uh, the other landing spot I'd highlight, and I think you brought up a good point, too, about, like, him not wanting to get, you know, beat into oblivion playing this running back role and, and, and the injuries and all that stuff. Um, I think the other point I, or the other landing spot I was going to highlight is the Chargers. Deontay Lee, former mm-hmm. PFF guy now working at the Athletics, said use that number 17 overall pick by itself, like a mid-first rounder to go get Debo Samuel, and then you pair him up with Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Justin Herbert. That's yeah. another situation where I could see him having a lot of success and it making a lot of sense for both parties. Obviously, that's San Francisco moving Debo Samuel to the AFC Los Angeles Chargers. I, the last team I want to throw into the ring, because they've already done it with San Francisco 49ers, is the Indianapolis Colts needing a wide receiver. They always have the cap flexibility, like fitting him under isn't that big of a deal. And now with Matt Ryan's deal there isn't exorbitant to where they need a number two. They're not in a position to do it. The only thing is draft capital. How do they make it work? Would they be giving up another future first? More likely than not is what it would take to do so. So they may not be able to from that perspective, but that's a team I could see being interested in someone like Debo Samuel with that receiving core and with their needs and with their cap space. All right, we are going to get off now the catch and early buzz. And we wanted to highlight the NFLSE mock draft that we did. So we did a mock yes. draft. It was a dueling mock draft for the NFLSE, the NFL Stock Exchange podcast with Trevor Sikama and Connor Rogers. And it was an interesting exercise competing against them, per se. But what really happened was is Trevor and Connor, they were the final say on who they'd take at each spot. It wasn't what we think would, would happen. It was what we would do. And then we had, obviously, the same situation on our end. And Obviously, with us both coming up with the picks, I came away really excited about a lot of the decisions that we made in that mock draft. Before we get into that, going to have to highlight, obviously, Miller Lite presenting sponsor today, but also Cash App. Uh, The Tailgate Podcast is brought to you by Cash App. Cash App is the easiest way to send, spend, and save your money. You can send or request money for your friends when they owe you for dinner, drinks, and literally anything. Besides just sending money back and forth with Cash App, you can invest in stocks with as little as $1 as well as buy, sell, and send Bitcoin instantly. It's really that easy. Cash App is all, also lets you design your own debit card completely free to spend money anywhere you'd like. Cash App will laser print it and mail it to you all for free. And the card comes with free discounts at your favorite places called Boosts. 
Sign up for Cash App today using referral code HUTCHPOD, which gives you new users $15, and Cash App will set aside $10 for each sign-up to go towards the Chad Tuff Foundation to battle pediatric brain cancer. The more people that use code HUTCHPOD when registering not only get a $15, $15 for free, but you're also helping support the Chad Tuff Foundation. Download the Cash App on the App Store or Google Play Store today. All right, NFL SE Mock Draft. What were your takeaways from that exercise outside of Connor and Trevor just stink and <laughs> they're never going to beat us in any mock draft battle, regardless of how it's framed? To be fair, I knew that one coming in, so I didn't, that wasn't a big takeaway. The biggest takeaway was there's no great fit at number two for Detroit. I hate the value at number two for Detroit if Aiden Hutchinson's off the board. Like, I just – they could – number two versus pick number 10 in this draft, it doesn't matter to them really. Like, they would love, love, love to trade back if, again, Aiden Hutchinson's off the board. They just there's no there's no value to having that pick. So that was one of my first biggest takeaways. We ended up throwing Sauce Gardner to them just because I think that's the quickest path to success is two long press man corners on the outside. That would be that's you know what the Ravens defense mm-hmm. in there. That's what the when they were good a couple of years ago when the Broncos had the no fly zone like that is a route to a good pass defense and. When you got to go through the Packers in the NFC North and Aaron Rodgers, you better have some corners. So that to me is where I went. But again, no great fit. I think the other thing that stood out to me was where to slot the defensive tackles in this draft class. I, I keep saying I think they go higher than even where they're mocked because these guys are truly insane athletes for the position. But we ended up slotting them at 15 Jordan Davis to the Eagles and all the way down to 23 for Devontae Wyatt to the Cardinals. I just – I can't fathom guys like that, athletes like that, in a DT class where it kind of gets weak after the top three. I think I just see them going higher than that when it's all said and done. I do think that um, the bigger takeaway – you mentioned the number two overall pick for the yeah. Detroit Lions. You know, Right now, betting markets are swinging so in favor of Kayvon Thibodeau being the pick at number two overall. He went from, I think, like plus 330 to be the Detroit Lions pick at number two to now plus 150. He what's was, that? What's that? What's, what do you think is moving that? Honestly, I think it's increasing understanding that Aiden's going to go one. I, I mean, it, I, I don't see – like that, in my opinion, is pushing more mm-hmm. chips into Aiden going number one overall, who is still minus 200 to be a Jacksonville Jaguar. Because I don't see a situation where they go Kayvon Thibodeau if Aiden Hutchinson's available, right? Aiden mm-hmm. Hutchinson is the second yeah. favorite behind Kayvon Thibodeau. Um, for the Detroit Lions right now, that number two overall pick. Kayvon Thibodeau's the favorite because I do think Aiden Hutchinson's the favorite, and he is, uh, to go to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, if Trayvon Walker goes one, obviously you'll see some of that stuff flip. I think Aiden would be the pick for Michigan if Trayvon Walker does go one. For Michigan for Detroit. Yep. The other piece I'd add here, so I was mentioning that number two overall pick. I think what I really liked about our mock draft is we had Jamison Williams, first receiver off the board, and going number eight to the Atlanta Falcons. It's still He's still plus money to be the first receiver off the board. I think it's like plus 200 to be the first receiver off the board. I don't think it's that crazy for a team like Atlanta at eight, could even be Seattle at nine, or the Jets at 10 to go after Jameson Williams over some of the other guys in this class, Garrett Wilson, Drake mm-hmm. London. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that's when my final mock comes out, it will be James Williams at eight to the Falcons, I think. Um, the other big takeaway that I'm going through this realizing or just like seeing, I love where some of these contenders are poised to add talent. Like I, I think the board for teams, the Packers at 22 and 28, the Chiefs at 29 and 30, the Bucks at 27, the Bills at 25, 
there will be dudes on the board that can come in right away and start at those positions or at those draft slots at positions of need. I think it's shaking out really well for some of the, you know, blue bloods, shall we say in the NFL right now that they can not only, you know, add players that can keep them atop their respective divisions um, in this draft class. Yeah, in that range, I love the Tyler Smith selection to the Green Bay Packers at 22. I think the um, where we saw interior offensive line come off the board, Zion Johnson goes to the Buffalo Bills, Linderbaum goes to the Cincinnati Bengals. I think those are yeah. ma- massively um, solid picks for those teams. I think they are going to add a ton of talent. And one of, one of my favorite picks that I think I'm going to consistently see in my mock drafts as I move forward is Daxton Hill, the Michigan slot corner safety type, going to the Tampa Buccaneers Bucks. at 27. Yes. I'm a huge fan of that. I think my least favorite pick in this, and I was pretty adamant about that on the NFLS podcast is Lewis seen at 19 New mm. Orleans Saints. I think that's we'll get pitch. better at rock, paper, scissors. If yeah, you want. exactly. <laughs> we did play rock, paper, scissors and I lost, but I would have rather gone a different direction than Lewis seen there at 19. I'm also, I think that was the first podcast where I really like hammered home how much, you know, I really like Andrew Booth Jr. And Andrew Booth Jr. going at 18, the Philadelphia Eagles giving them Davis, Jordan Davis of Georgia and Booth Jr. I thought that was good selections for the Philadelphia Eagles. Go check out that podcast. That's the NFL Stock Exchange podcast with Trevor Sikama and Connor Rogers. We did the dueling mock drafts. I think that's also available on YouTube dueling mock drafts all right before we get into the safety tiers now more bills to be paid what do US News PC Magazine Popular Science have in common they all have ranked Simply Safe Home Security as the best home security in 2021 in fact US News just named Simply Safe the best home security of 2022 Simply Safe has freed me from worry and given me peace of mind while me and Mike are recording the podcast live with a ton of beers in hand and no one is home Simply Safe protects your whole home around the clock, 24/7, every door, window, and room. Simply Safe is less than a dollar a day, and you can set up, set it up in around 30 minutes, and it's always simple to use. There's never a long-term contract. You can even try it for 60 days risk-free to see if you like it. If you don't, send it back free of charge. There's nothing to lose. Simply Safe protects over 100 million homes in the United States alone. Check it out. You can you you can customize the perfect system for your home in just a few minutes at simplysafe.com/hutch. Go today and claim a free indoor security camera plus 20% off with interactive monitoring. Go to simplysafe.com slash hutch. This podcast is also sponsored by BetterHelp. Life is full of twists and turns, stress, changes, grief, moments of growth, and moments where we feel like we're taking a few steps back. BetterHelp Online Therapy is here for the twists and turns and will assess your needs and can match you with your own licensed professional therapist in less than 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional therapy done securely online and the service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your therapist. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change therapists if needed. It's more affordable affordable than traditional offline therapy and financial aid is available. BetterHelp is a great way to show up for yourself and invest in your well-being because, well, you deserve some inner peace. Visit betterhelp.com slash hutch, that's better H-E-L-P, and join over 2 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Special offer to tailgate listeners. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash hutch. On to the safety rankings. There's only one tier one safety in this class, despite some in-draft media, not even thinking Kyle Hamilton's a first rounder. Some, really? Yeah, there are some. There are Who's some who that have that take? There are some who have that take. Kyle name Hamilton names. is not name a, names. I, I can't name names. I can't name names. Name a goddamn name. I I've seen hear. it. I've seen it. Okay. Well, then tell me who it was, dude. Come on. <laughs> I have to tell you after. I have to tell you after. Well, it's not a secret. All right. Well, he's tier one. I still believe for all the, you know, knocks on his coverage that are getting purported out there. 
show, show me, show me the knocks. So like, go, put, put some tape behind it because he didn't allow a, a reception in his career longer than 29 yards. Not a single one. 358 yards in three seasons, he allowed. <laughs> He's, he did not lose a lot. I mean, he has high-end plays on his tape. I've said before, man coverage in 2-2 at wall on the slot, had a pass breakup. The picks against FSU, like, he's not a – I talked about this with Chris Collins with, like, he had a bad 10 time because he is six foot four with very long legs. Chris was saying he, he was slow out the blocks himself when he ran track because he's six foot five with long legs. And that his top speed is matching a lot of these shorter guys' top speeds. But it's just you don't get to see that in a 40-yard dash because of how you have to start that. So he had a 1.57 10 split. Like, that's not good. But he also had elite jumps, 10-foot-11 broad jump, 38-inch vertical. That also suggests explosive short area quickness that was quite literally never an issue on tape. It's just at 6'4", sometimes it's difficult. Those guys may not start as well. So good thing he's not playing edge defender in the NFL and has to get out of a three-point stance. <laughs> um, Kyle Hamilton's also the second youngest safety in this class, only just turned 21. Only Nick Cross of Maryland is younger in the safety class. So... Yeah, I, I still think he's tier one. Worry about the speed all you want. Um, he's one hell of an athlete still for the position. Incredibly instinctual. Long arms. I, I mean, takes a lot of boxes. Maybe you don't want him as a pure deep safety, but even then, his range is not an issue for me whatsoever from watching the tape. It may not be elite. It may not be worth, you know, top three pick. It may not be what he was kind of billed at as that, but still damn good, and you're getting – just an all-around defensive playmaker. I'm all in on him going to the Houston Texans at 13. I think that is a you know a prime landing or, or spot Washington. For him. I think Washington Commanders, Houston Texans. That's where I see him probably coming off the board. Mm -hmm. Washington at 11, Houston at 13. Um, I still I still think despite you know people doubting his range, he's very scheme versatile. I think he play in the box. I think he play in the deep half. I, I mean, there's a lot to like yeah. about Hamilton. Go back and watch the tape. I remember you said this three months ago. When there was some discourse in the PFF Slack about us, you know, understanding positional value and, and, and trusting the analytics, watch the tape. Go back yeah. and watch Kyle Hamilton's tape. He is one of the more impressive players on the football field every time he goes out. And, and that's not just you know us saying that. That's you know, Brian Kelly saying that. That's his teammates saying that. I do think that he is a tier yeah. one by himself safety in this class and should be a top fifteen. And and again, to I said four five nine at the combine with a one five seven ten split. The, like the four seven that got reported from his pro day, he had a one six eight ten split, which is egregious. Which is just, it's not him. Like it's not who he is. It's again, he just didn't have good start. He just could not start. Could not get out of a blocks. He could not get out of a three point stance because he's six foot four and an eighth inch. Like that's that's why do not overreact to the forty time. It's not going to. It's not how he plays speed wise on the football field. I, I don't think the conversation is that dissimilar to Linderbaum. Like Linderbaum, you don't love his arm length and he tests obviously he tests a lot better. Like his yeah. athleticism is insane. But like Linderbaum plays a low, you know, a position of low value, but is objectively one of the better ones we've seen at his specific position over the last few years. Mm -hmm. And I still like him coming off the board obviously in like the fifteen to twenty five range, right? With Hamilton, it, I think he's gonna get valued over Linderbaum and I think still should be in that ten to fifteen, ten to twenty range where he comes off the board. Yeah, and to just hammer home the point about the 10 split again because I'm ha going to hammer this home. I love it. If his jumps were bad, then we'd have a conversation. If he had a 32-inch vertical and a 9-8 broad jump, we would start to have a conversation about is this guy just not explosive. 
which obviously on tape, he looks very explosive. So 10, 11 broad jump though, 30 inch vertical. Those are elite numbers. That's explosiveness too. Can throw the 10 split out the window. Do we want to bring up his 10 split at all? Um, yeah, let's just talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> your tier two, you have Lewis Seen, who obviously you're really yeah. high on. I yeah. Lewis Seen, a top of tier two, the Georgia safety. Then you have Jalen Petrie, Baylor safety, slot corner type, Jaquan Brisker, Penn State, also friend of the pod. Brisker, we do know her. And then Daxon Hill, slot corner box safety type coming out of Michigan. That is yeah. your tier two. Yeah, so with Seen, it's a lot of times with prospects, it's when you're projecting the next level, it's what can you hang your hat on? What can you say this guy's going to be able to do at the next level still? Because that's that's something that's difficult. Like it's difficult to know what a guy is going to look like. But if he's damn good at one thing, you can feel good about that. With seeing it's tackling, he missed 11 tackles on 159 attempts his entire collegiate career. That is at Georgia. That is in the SEC. That is against top competition. That's in the playoffs. That is any time he stepped on a football field, he was a violent tackler. And then, oh, yeah, by the way, he's the lead athlete, too. Like, all that stuff, too. But I know he's going to step on a football field at the NFL level and be able to wrap up NFL-caliber running backs. That's something that safety position for a lot of teams is still a tackling first position. They are cleaning up other people's mistakes to a degree. And Seen did that as well as anyone in this class. I, I still really like seeing his prospect. I think seeing I would not put ahead of Petrie or Daxon Hill, but I like seeing a lot. I think you didn't is, want to draft him 19th though. I didn't want to draft him 19th. Like I said, I wouldn't have him ahead of yeah. Petrie or Daxon Hill. I think I'd have him firmly ahead of Brisker, but um, I, I don't love him ahead of some of those other guys, especially I, I value how well Petrie and Hill played the slot and yeah. like over you know, such a high percentage of teams in the NFL run 11 personnel, 10 personnel at a very high rate to a point where your slot cornerback start, like you are getting, 600, 700, 800 plus snaps out of your slot cornerbacks um, oftentimes in a season. And having guys like Petrie and Hill who have that experience and played at a high level, seeing, I think I see playing you know away from the slot more and more and playing more deep safety, which is also super valuable. Again, in my tier two, but not ahead of Petrie and Daxon Hill. Yeah. four three seven forty. 40. This safety class and the guys at the top especially is long, man. A lot of these guys have insanely long arms. Another guy, Lewis, seen six foot six wingspan. So six foot two, six foot two safety with a six six wingspan. We'll get to Daxon Hill in a minute, who's got the, one of the craziest wingspans I've ever seen for a guy who's six foot tall. But yeah, Lewis, seen another guy long. When you're long, athletic, physical already, I tend to bet on guys like that translating to the next level with what he's shown on tape. Shay, you do you want to highlight Brisker, Hill, Petrie at all? Or are you just focusing on oh, scene? Well, I was going to go to the next one here. Jalen Petrie is up next. I, I just I get that the other guys have, you know, maybe more safety skill sets. They they actually play at safety. Petrie is a slot cornerback. I, I think at the NFL level, just keep him in the slot. Just let him stay there, or even if you want, like put him at linebacker or like dimebacker. Put him to the box because. Yeah the way he plays the game is just it's different than any of these other guys even kyle hamilton even jaquan brisker even lewis seen it is insane watching him try to not try to take on and avoid blocks consistently rush the passer win as a blitzer and that's going to be where he's just going to be a nightmare for opposing offenses is you leave him one-on-one with the running back it's over it was over every single time for him at baylor 25 pressures he had last year five sacks just like ridiculous numbers that he put up at baylor a 92.7 run defense grade 
the, the beauty of Petrie and why I'm so high on him and, and the skills that he brings to the table is that you never have to match a – you never have to come out of nickel. You never have to worry about – you know, a lot of slot corners, they get, like, stereotyped as, you know, undersized. You know, you know oh, an outside corner's too small, move them in the slot, that's fine. Well, those guys are then also liabilities against the run where they're too yeah. small. Like, when they don't have the physicality – they can't take on blocks. They get wiped out of run plays. No, Jalen Petrie is going to be an actual value add. He's going to be better than the linebacker you could put out there against the run. He was the highest graded slot cornerback in run defense all last year. Yeah. Like he's like well, after we ever seen. Like this was a ridiculous season from him uh, at the slot corner position. So that's why I'm high in him because that ability. And now that's not going to be every defense that uses that. Um, I, I think a lot of like the static e defenses that don't come out of certain coverages that only play like. Uh, number of base coverages are going to like his skill set but that has a ton of value in my opinion because then that you're always plus numbers from a coverage perspective you always have that advantage I am higher on Petrie than a lot I see him as a first round player in this class yeah I mean he's 31st on PFF board so oh let's go let's go next you have on your list here is Brisker and Hill yeah so these guys are close on the PFF draft board um Jaquan Brisker checks in. Actually, I have it flipped. Sorry. Daxton Hill is actually above Jaquan Brisker at 37 on the PFF draft board. Jaquan Brisker at 40. Daxton Hill is a unique athlete for the position in that 438 speed with a 406 shuttle, a 6573 cone, and like legit press man coverage ability. And I mentioned his insane wingspan. He has only a half inch shorter wingspan than Kyle Hamilton. He is six foot tall with a nearly six foot eight inch wingspan the guy is a pterodactyl and he doesn't even have that long of arms 32 and a quarter inch arms he just must have the broadest shoulders uh of any probably defensive back in this draft class maybe any defensive back ever that's a freaky build for a defender um that i mean if you wanted to play this guy at outside corner i think he could do it Mm -hmm. and that's so if if you're a scheme that that is what you're so man coverage schemes any sort of man man match any sort of that is going to maybe have Daxton Hill above even Kyle Hamilton on this because of that ability, because of that size, because of that wingspan, because of that unique athletic all-around skill set that can do that. Now, that was really all he was at Michigan, though, was that guy. Was he you know, much of a value-add in run defense? Was he ever a deep safety that was a ball-hawking playmaker? Not quite. And so that's kind of why I lean towards Petrie and scene with – their skill sets but again if you're a man coverage team he's going to be your safety one probably and why he's probably going to go in the first round in this draft class so if you're you know he has that deep slot versatility that some schemes will covet and he should be good in said role I just think he's one of the guys that probably needs to go to a team that's going to take their safeties out of like run fits he's 191 pounds I don't think you want him in the box really trying to be a run defender at any point in time I think he's another player, too, that is minus 120 to be a first-round pick. I am betting that. I think Daxton Hill ultimately is a first-round pick. I think the fit you have going to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers makes a ton of sense, especially a team that's shown that they want to invest in the secondary. They continue to put high-end draft capital in the secondary and develop on that defensive line with Joey Tryon Chienka. So I'm a big fan of Daxton Hill in the first round. Last but not least, friend of the show, Jaquan Brisker. Yeah, Brisker, I I thought he should have come out last year, truthfully. Like, he – had great tape this past year, but had great tape before that too. He's a high-end athlete, went 4-4-3 at his pro day, 38 and a half inch vertical, 
6913 cone, 419 shuttle, 104 broad, like ticks those boxes at 206 pounds is just a well-built all-around safety that like he has that skill set to do pretty much anything that you want him to do at the position. I, now, maybe not not going to be a high-end slot guy like a Daxton Hill or Jalen Petrie, but I think he could do it in a pinch. But very physical, probably after Kyle Hamilton, the second best like pure box safety in this draft class. Like if you wanted to play him at linebacker, I think he could legitimately do it. Like a whole actually like stacking blockers and taking them on. He's shown on tape. So has that to his skill set, has some range to his skill set. A guy who's just very all-around good player who's graded mm-hmm. out three straight years now at a high level. On to Tier 3, you have Nick Cross from Maryland, Brian Cook, Cincinnati, and then Kirby Joseph, Illinois. I thought Joseph would be a bit higher on your rankings, honestly, but I think I see Cook and Cross as better prospects as well. For Cook, I love the way he plays. His, he's got a mentality like – rare that's rare i mean it's mm-hmm. similar to petrie in that he plays really physical wants to hit people it's a it's unfortunate that injuries have kept him from really doing a lot in this pre-draft process because yeah. i think if you could have seen his athletic testing and it performed you know he performed well you know, i think he could be viewed viewed higher in this class and then cross we know is a burner but I, with him I, I do feel that there are a lot of times where you're kind of scratching your head on tape and like while he can fly and the range is there i don't i wouldn't call him a heady safety prospect no. i think he's still very much learning the instinct side of the position. He is your single high guy that can legitimately, though, get to the sideline. Yeah. You know, on a go ball, he's, you know, ranging back to the middle of the field. You get a go ball to a sideline. He can legitimately break those up. Those are the guys that, you know, there aren't a lot of them. Not a lot of them exist at the safety position, but he can actually impact with his range from a single high role. So I think any team that is looking for that, he's going to be high on your list. 434 I believe he ran at the combine. He's only 20 years old. Doesn't turn 21 until September. So one of the youngest players on this list, but with 434 speed, he's 212 pounds. That that is a that's a combo that doesn't often happen. That's like Laron Landry-esque combo of speed and strength. And Laron Landry had to take well, allegedly. I maybe not even allegedly. Just looked like he probably took some steroids to get there. I don't know about Nick Cross having to do so. But yeah, Cross he makes some breaks on tape and like you said his instincts and playmaking ability is like that's not who he is he more just has to trust his athleticism and use that range in the back end because comes in with violence as a big hitter can just cover a ton of ground and get to balls that other guys can't in this draft class that is a he is a true deep safety that can also add on the run game from you know a deeper alignment he can go make plays around the line of scrimmage still do we for Kirby Joseph, I think you've highlighted his ball skills a ton of times. And I, I oh, think yeah. ball, he, he really does attack ball. He's got really good length. I worry about his change of direction and his just like – I do not love his suddenness at the position. It makes yeah. me want to put I, him in the box and leave him there. I agree. He's more – he's not super rangy. Like, mm-hmm. uh, he didn't test pre-draft, obviously. Um, but I love the way he attacks the football in the air. You know, a lot of safeties just will not find – can't aren't able to find the football don't have that ability to their game Kirby Joseph if like he could make a play on the ball he was making a play on the ball and he has super long arms 80 inch wingspan six foot eight wingspan at only six foot one um big hands made a ton of plays this past year but and loved him as a tackler and loved him on special teams too he was a guy when you watched the special team snaps you saw that want to but I agree with the box tape 
or box take, or maybe even just like a box slot kind of guy that that's where he can make plays on the football more. Like that length could play more at that level where as a pure deep safety, I think you're lacking some of the ideal range that you would want to see. Match him up with tight ends, right? Let him cope that with the length yes, and all that. Yes, yes, yes. Um, lastly, though, on this tier, Brian Cook, kind of a forgotten man for the reasons you said. Injured, didn't have his pre-draft process. Only one year as a starter. Started off his career at Howard, actually, mm-hmm. for coming to Cincinnati. Two years on the bench at Cincinnati because Cincinnati had Derek Forrest and who was the other safety that was? Wiggins. Yeah. Something Wiggins. J- James Wiggins. James Wiggins. Who were NFL safeties themselves, so didn't leapfrog them in the death chart. Comes in this past year and shows that shit, he probably should have leapfrogged, that, leapfrogged them on the death chart because one heck of a tackler, one of the most physical safeties in the class, very good box sort of safety that can get by with him on the back end, maybe never going to be a playmaker, but good enough at that level to where you love the play around the ball, around the football with him. I believe only missed seven tackles uh, on 100 attempts all last year. Physical, great tackler, insane, insanely like insane attitude from the. You talk to people at the Cincinnati beat. You know they. You know he is someone that you know other players gravitate toward, and um, that in him being physical, I also think his body has been reshaped over the last few years, and due in large part to a strength and conditioning staff I've called out a thousand times. But like yeah. to take a guy that was a no star recruit from Howard and turn him into what Brian Cook is, like who's probably going to get drafted maybe late day two, early day three, is impressive. Like it's mm-hmm. it speaks to the development that Cincinnati's been able to do, and I do think that if he was able to test. You're probably talking about him a little bit higher and like maybe a for sure day two pick rather than maybe a guy that slips into round four, round five. Last tier here, you have Dane Belton, Tyson Anderson, and JT Woods. My favorite at tier is definitely Tyson Anderson. I think yeah. he's got a lot of tools yeah. coming out of Toledo that special teams right out of the gate, he should have some success because mm-hmm. he's got a lot. He can fly. Yes. So Tyson Anderson was, I mean, behind probably Daxton Hill the second best testing athlete and honestly looks like the second best athlete on tape in terms of the safety position from Toledo. You went four, three, six in the 40, six, six, four, three cone, um, great size for the position, nearly six, two, two Oh nine played a lot around the ball though. He was like a slot corner, strong safety in that Toledo defense, not a lot of deep stuff on his tape and like legitimately ugly when asked to do some deep stuff, like his angles tracking the ball worrisome um so that was that's the caveat with him and like you said probably more of a special teams guy right out the gate that you're gonna have to you know assage to the nfl game that i still love the tool tools though i mean a hell of an athlete for the position that just outside the top 100 on the pff draft board but like another guy where once you get to if it comes to the fourth round you're like running in the car hoping that that guy turns into something because I didn't have like issues with him as a tackler either or physicality, just it was those ball skills and tracking stuff that really stood out as probably an issue with him. Should we Let me talk a little bit about Belton yeah. and Woods sure. though. Yeah. Belton, I love his has some of the best. So he's a true junior coming out, which is interesting out of Iowa that not a lot of people are high on. He was another guy who just outside the top hundred on the PFF draft board. Five picks though last year and eight pass breakups. He has legitimate feel for zone coverage one of the best zone safeties in the class sees routes develop does that incredibly well and then locates the football as well i just think he can get that to a fault like he can get taken out of zone coverage by like reading and anticipating routes and then if the ball doesn't go there he gets himself out of position so can maybe reel that in a little bit but again 
a lot of plays on tape. Five picks and eight pass breakups is nothing to sneeze at, uh, but a bad tackler also. So he was just a kind of a slot corner at Iowa and a rough tackler over the course of his career, 16.7 career missed tackle rate for him. And then JT Woods can absolutely fly. This guy has legit, legit range in Baylor's defense. Uh, you've probably heard that a good deal with some of these Baylor uh, defenders that they have legit speed. He uh, yet another guy who has it. Um, I believe he went four three six at the combine. Long arms, a lot of plays on tape, but he is a pure. Do not get this guy around the box. An absolute liability if it comes to taking on blocks, tackling. A pure just deep safety. Six picks last year. Three picks back in 2020. Good ball production, but pretty much that's like that's all you're getting with him. Like. Cross, we talked about Cross being one of the guys in that regard who can actually like fill in the run game, actually has size. Woods is just pure range. That's really the skill set he's bringing to the table. Two other guys I wanted to mention, and I know that list that you have here is short, um, but I think that speaks to just like how good this safety class is. I only think there's maybe five-ish guys that are going to, you know, you can guarantee are going to go in the first two rounds. Um, but Alante Taylor of Tennessee, and then Verone McKinley of Oregon. Alante Taylor also ran really well. 4-3-6, yard split, over 32-inch arms. And then for Verone McKinley, I remember really liking his tape, and then you find out he's 5'10 and runs a 4-6-5. And you immediately are concerned yeah. with what he could probably offer in the NFL. I don't see him much more than like a special teams guy that's a middle to late day three type. But Alante Taylor is someone that has, re- you know, people have DM'd me and asked about Alante Taylor. Do you see, can see him as a corner? Do you see him as a safety, et cetera? Yeah, so there's a few corners in this class. I mentioned Cam Taylor Britt, the Nebraska corner on the last episode. Alante Taylor, four-year starter at corner for Tennessee. Four years. Not a corner. Like, I, I did not like him. He did not care for his tape at corner, despite all of that to where – when you got that kind of range, when you got that kind of speed, it can play. It can still play at, at safety position. So he's a he's a quality candidate to do so. That's gonna do it. Kind of a shorter podcast yeah. today. We're tomorrow. We're gonna go over the mailbag. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast if you want your mailbag question answered on the show. Then next week, final draft board, final Ooh. mock draft. Mm. final 2022 NFL draft preview. And then days following the draft, we're going to do a first round recap, day two recap, day three recap, and probably shortly after that, from us. delete a lot of Miller lights. We are going to delete some you want beers. Kentucky Derby the next week after that. Are you really? Yeah. Oh man, Derby Mike, here we go. Appreciate everyone listening. Uh, make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. As I've said, until next time, Mike Quinn, Austin Gale, Mike Renner, tailgate.